Hello from ABA Mid-Year Meeting 2018 in Vancouver, Canada. I'm Lawrence Galetti. Simeon Carson. Bill Horton. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think the sun has come out in Vancouver, at least Vancouver's version of the sun. What do you think, gentlemen? Um, it's a little sunnier than it was this morning at uh, 7 o'clock, so it's, that's a good improvement. <laughs> I haven't been rained on yet. That's, that's a plus. It's a plus. A li- little dreary up here, but uh, Vancouver is still beautiful nonetheless. And of course, I have joining me today, I have uh, Mr. Simeon Carson uh, joining us. He is the director of the health law section for the American Bar Association. And I have his colleague, Bill Horton, who is the delegate to the ABA House of Delegates for the same. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, before we get into, because we're going to talk a little bit about the health law section, which I think this is our first interview together with you guys. So we're getting to know some new friends here. I just wanted to learn a little bit more about you. Where do you work? What do you do? Kind of tell us about your position and, and some of your background. So, Simi, I think we'll just start with you. Sure. I am based in Chicago, and the health law section has a staff of six. So I'm responsible for my staff and for the operations of the section. We do lots of education and programming for our members, and it's enjoyable. get to uh, work with folks like Bill Horton, who are great leaders, and it's a great opportunity to have an impact and be part of something special within the ABA. And Bill. Thanks, Lars. Pleasure to be here. I live in Birmingham, Alabama. I practice law with the Birmingham office of the Jones Walker Law Firm, and for most of my career, which is now, frighteningly longer than 30 years, uh, <laughs> I've represented healthcare providers in business transactions and regulatory matters and had the privilege of being chair of the health law section a couple of years ago and now being one of its delegates to the ABA House of Delegates. Excellent. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's get into that a little bit. Uh, tell us about the health law section. Now, this is obviously a new group to us uh, with the American Bar Association, and there's a lot of groups within the ABA. So I uh, just want to learn a little bit more about that group in general. Sure. The health law section actually is still and probably always will be the youngest section in the ABA. We were formed a little over 20 years ago as a section, and we represent, we've got uh, uh, about 10,000 members in total representing uh, lawyers who are involved in pretty much all aspects of the healthcare industry, representing providers, representing payers, managed care companies, insurance companies, uh, representing government agencies. We have a significant a uh, number of members who work for state and federal government agencies regulating health care. We have litigators who do False Claims Act work. We try to cover pretty much all the bases across the health care field um, and with a membership across the country. That's pretty, uh, it's pretty broad. And so how many members does the section have? Currently, we have 11,250. 7,000, a little 7,100 are attorney members. About 330 are non-attorneys, and then we have about 3,700-plus uh, law students. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. So the three, I just want to talk about the 300. So we have 300 members that are non-attorneys. What, what, what kind of, uh, uh, are they involved in the healthcare profession, or who are they? So we would have some of our vendors, some of like uh, VMG Health or BRG, who many of our members may hire for business. Some of them that are practicing in the healthcare field but aren't necessarily attorneys want to participate and be part of the bar and are active in our community. And uh, 3, 000, over 3,000 law students, so that's a significant uh, portion of your overall membership is very young. 
So a young section are now comprised of a very young demographic. Yeah, we've been very fortunate in that uh, we've been able to significantly increase our law student membership uh, over the last few years, really to triple it over about a three-year period. And a lot of that, I think, is attributable to the fact that it's, it's an exciting area. There is, if you pick up the newspapers, there is a lot going on in the healthcare industry. There are a lot of changes. There are a lot of regulatory developments. There's a lot of uncertainty. And uh, um, we see a lot of interest from law students who want to find out how they can get into it. They see it as an opportunity that's, that's going to be around for a while. You know, I think uh, recently, three years ago, you made a uh, change in the fees for young attorneys to get involved. And uh, I think what was your observation as to the signups for that? Well, we went from a fee model of $10, and the ABA was going in a different direction overall with students. And we decided to participate and we went to the free model. Obviously, when you go from something that costs you something that doesn't, it's going to increase participation and that, as Bill said, uh, tripled the amount of students. We did notice, uh, we looked at our membership numbers and we have still grown even from that. From last year, this year, we've grown 13% in the student segment. So amongst the new members, you know, you got this new program, bring a bunch of new uh, members on. Uh, are they active members? Yes. we. We are, the section tries to experiment with what it is we're doing with students because, you know, there's a new generation that everyone wants to try and connect with millennials and it's different than the way that, you know, the ABA was operating, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. And, you know, what is relevant to them then is different than what it is now. Uh, and we're learning that they, you know, they want to be engaged and get some return on their investment into the section. Uh, one thing for sure is leadership opportunities, and we provide uh, 20 direct uh, leadership opportunities with our substantive interest groups uh, where students can come in, be engaged, and be part of our leadership and get to know our leaders and learn and grow that way as well. We, and we do outreach at our live CLE programs. We do outreach to law students uh, in the area and otherwise. Uh, we have a program uh, for scholarships for a certain number of law students where we waive the registration fees for our meetings. Uh, we have a law student writing competition that we've done now for a long time uh, that has been very successful um, and that uh, gives participating students the chance to win a little bit of cash in pocket plus a free registration to our, our Emerging Issues in Healthcare Conference. We assign mentors to them at these meetings to ensure that they know what's going on, get to meet other people, get a chance to participate in networking, uh, which is something that's very important to all of them. It's a tough job market and making connections is very important. So we really try to facilitate that and show them uh, uh, the value of, of engagement with the section. Well, let's build on that. You know, obviously uh, law students are looking to get their careers moving, uh, including young lawyers, maybe getting out of law school, may still have a kind of a fuzzy idea what they want to do long term. So let's talk about the destination. So you're, you're uh, with, with the health law section, what types of career paths could young lawyers and students uh, envision in their future, signing up through you, learning about it, and kind of using your, your section as a jumping off point? You know, really the scope of opportunities in health law is as broad as the scope of opportunities in the law in general. It's focused within a particular industry. We have obviously a lot of our members who are in private practice and traditional law firms, ranging from sole practitioners to really large firms. Uh, a lot of young lawyers who want to get into healthcare 
now will try to start by working for a government agency, a regulator in the industry, uh, a job with the U.S. Attorney's Office or Department of Justice dealing with health care fraud. Those are great entrees uh, into the field. And one of the things that I think we offer as a section is we give students who, who come to our meetings who otherwise participate the chance to talk in real time to people who do those things to find out how they got into the field, what this, what's fun about it, what's not fun about it, what the best paths to get where you're maybe trying to go are. Um, and that's, that's a very important, we, we take that seriously, and I think our law student members have found that to be very beneficial to them. Excellent. Uh, well, so we did a little pregame before the interview today, and I learned about a, uh, a council committee on health and well-being. And so, you know, obviously there, there's a lot of attention recently being invested into the well-being of practitioners, of lawyers around the country, uh, finding out that there's a lot of uh, high instances of, of depression, there's high instances of substance abuse compared to other professions, a little disproportionately so. And so there has been upswell, thankfully so, of people that are interested in well-being. And so, Sumi, I want to turn to you on that, the, uh, the council committee. Could you tell us a little bit about that program? Sure. We had two of our council members, uh, Lisa Jenikov and Sydney Welch, that were passionate about this topic and really wanted to make a difference. And they brought this uh, issue before the council and put together a proposal to uh, address this issue. They started really from a point of education. They're still learning. We just started uh, this bar year, and they wanted to get behind uh, the science of this. So they looked at the neuroscience, and they engaged directly uh, with the group and brought in Deborah Austin from the University of Denver, who helped educate the group on the, the neuroscience behind it. Uh, they wanted to take that and bring it to the next level and adapt. We plan to adapt it directly to our leadership. We'll have leadership training coming up in July and plan some programming along that topic. All right, gentlemen, I have one more substance question for you before uh, we start to close it out. And I just want to build on some of the things that we talked about, the programs that you're offering. So we talked about your writing competition. We talked about the professional connections. We talked about the leadership opportunities for young attorneys to get involved and so just in addition to that, and I know you have some other programs as well, what are some of the other features and benefits of your section? We put on three live programs, three live CLE programs every year. Some years we, we have a fourth, uh, all of which are, I think, pretty special and different from what other organizations doing health law seminars tend to do. We've got our, our largest program, which comes up uh, later this month, the Emerging Issues Conference. Uh, which is effectively our annual meeting. It uh, has cutting-edge topics on new and developing areas of health law. It uh, is really a one-stop shop in terms of legal education on current trends and events. We've got our Washington Health Law Summit, which is done uh, late in the year, typically in December, which is really unique. It's the only health law seminar that I'm aware of uh, that has very substantial participation, not just from private practice lawyers and in-house lawyers, but also a, a very large breadth of government lawyers, not just in the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the Department of Justice, where we, we tend to have more participation, but from other agencies and Hill staff 
that directly affect the healthcare industry. It's really sort of the one place that you can go and spend quality time with some regulators that you otherwise don't get a chance to interact with very much. And then our third uh, annual live program is our Physician Legal Issues Conference in Chicago in June, which is done in conjunction with the Chicago Medical Society. And again, it's a very special program, I think, because it brings together not just lawyers, but also doctors who are active in the Chicago Medical Society. And it really gives us a chance to hear what the doctors are thinking about, gives the doctors a chance to hear what concerns us. And much like Washington Summit, create this opportunity for interaction that you just don't get at a lot of other seminars. Well, I just have one last question for you, gentlemen. If our listeners want to reach out, learn more about the Health Law section, how can they find you? Let's start with Simeon. Well, obviously, you can come directly to our website, ambar.org health. And there's lots of resources there for you to learn all about what the section is doing, what we're up to. And Bill? Um, you can always reach me by email at whorton at joneswalker.com or on Twitter at William W. Horton. Um, and would love to hear from anyone who wants to find out more. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guests for joining us today and also our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.